for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. We now interrupt Matt looking at all of his Instagram reels that pop up for this very esoteric sports discussion in the middle of... In the middle... <laughs> <laughs> Found a good one. I'm sure you Saw did. A good one. That's right. Well, we, we have to do something to keep us to forget about what's going on outside. Oh, uh, you've got the uh, you had your snowblower breakdown. I came home to freezing pipes last night after spending ten That's hours. Worse. That's I worse. spent ten hours doing a story about frozen pipes. Uh, for the news, that was Gilbert my assignment. To shut the door or what? <laughs> we have an old house, and as I learned, you know, we have a sink that's uh, like a lot of sinks, an exterior wall. We don't have a lot of insulation, and so I really wasn't surprised. But fortunately, because I had spent the whole day talking to people about how to either thaw frozen pipes to prevent them from bursting. Or to prevent frozen pipes, which obviously that's... Oh, that, they hadn't burst yet? They just they froze? They had not burst. They oh, just, then you were fine. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. But uh, so I actually referred to my article and a link in my article to... Uh, I, I've never had frozen pipes in a house before, so I had no idea. So uh, I was grateful that uh, I did... Cause otherwise, so you got to leave the drip now when you leave the house? Yeah, is that... Uh, I guess. Yeah. Or leave the cabinets open. This is very difficult. The first thing I... Because one of the things I learned is if you have a kitchen... Because a lot a lot of the times, it's the kitchen sink that's the first frozen uh, pipe place, and you ha- first thing you open the cabinets, let some air from the rest of the house in there, and uh, put a you know get a space heater in there if you want. So I did the space heater, and within five minutes, boom, uh, water's back. But had I, had I not spent a, the day on that, my mind might have raced to total fucking freakout mode, <laughs> and I would have been like, "Fuck, our, we're fucked. Our our pipes are frozen. We're gonna have to call the plumber. We're not gonna have any. We're not gonna have any water for a while." And uh, you know, I probably instead you were able to look like a handyman and take care it, of yourself. Oh yeah, big strong be the man. The manliest thing you've ever yeah. done in your life. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've changed flat tires, Matt. <laughs> On highways, <laughs> in blistering cold and in oppressive heat, I've changed tires. Damn it! Uh, but it was, but yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would have even. All you gotta do is Google now, just like frozen pipes. But I, I would have just assumed that, like, oh man, we are screw hooed. Uh, but you know what? Lesson learned. Just takes a few minutes, and uh, and the pipes didn't burst. So I, that we know of. Yeah. Today's another f- adventure. Leave the water dripping, and you'll be fine. Temperatures are above zero today, so we're crawling into a good spot. Me, so, uh, so you, so I win with frozen pipes over your broken snowblower. <sighs> and that couldn't. I mean, at least uh, mine was an indoor. Mine's problem. already you had an outdoor. Tw- yeah, mine's already broken twice this winter too, and it's brand new. Oh man, I had a snowblower for over a decade that never broke down on me. It was amazing. <laughs> Do you have a name for it? No, I did not. Ted. Uh, <laughs> I sold it Sammy. for reasons I don't want to get into. Okay. But then needed a new one and bought a new one. And I'm not going to name the brand, but it rhymes with Freshman. Um, <laughs> and it's a piece of shit. And it breaks all the time. And uh, it just broke again. And uh, I think I might be able to fix it myself, but probably not. So uh, me and Jen and Arthur were out shoveling yesterday. It was gr- It was a great time. 
nope, that's all I got. Sorry. You should have taken a bite of your sandwich <laughs> not gonna a few seconds me. sooner. Well, I got so many... <laughs> Got a few nice comments about how I'm eating with a full mouth, which I never... Well, well see, the thing is, John, when we schedule this <laughs> oh, at 1 o'clock... Here we go. You could show here up go. at 12.40, here we go. order your food, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we could start taping at 1 o'clock, <laughs> have the whole hour, instead of you showing up at 1.10, yeah, yeah, yeah. eating for 10 minutes, and then we start taping at... <laughs> what time is it? 1.42. <laughs> <laughs> it is 42 minutes from the time we were supposed to meet here. But then we wouldn't have this moment right, right now. And then people wouldn't get to listen to you chewing your food during our podcast. <laughs> well, thankfully, you spent just enough time eviscerating me. For you to get that and bite down. And throwing me under the bus. Yeah, yeah that I you got that bite down. Now, I, now all I have is a chance to choke on it, So, which uh, most people would be quite happy with. So, well, congratulations on your snowblower. Good luck. Uh, what else is there to say besides holy shit? Kalen DeBoer is the coach at Alabama. I, I mean, remember was he the it, he got hired on Friday or it was Friday? We, we were talking about it last week, right? Because we, we were here on Thursday, we couldn't do it on Tuesday like usual, so we did it on Thursday. And at that point, it had gained plenty of steam. And it, you and I were just talking about this off the air, like Willie Sanchez was telling you uh, right. before the right. national title game. And Willie's been yeah. doing a lot of interviews lately because there's been a ton of Kalen yeah. DeBoer features heading into yeah. the national title game. We thought we'd all gone to the moon that Kalen DeBoer was taking a Power 5 team to the national title game, mm -hmm. and now he's the coach at Alabama. But Willie said, Willie told you, uh, a Colonel, you decided to uh, hoard uh, th th that uh, yeah, Nick Saban's going to retire and Kalen De they're going to they're going to go after Kalen DeBoer. And he was right. He was right. Not that, but you also, but we also mentioned. It should it be that big of a surprise? The 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 mm. M uh, the MF is what? Sorry, Ryan Sweeter. I know Ryan's got to be so. We've got, we've cursed like five times in the first five minutes. Uh, One hundred four and twelve. I mean, Greg Byrne, the athletic director in the Kalen DeBoer press conference, right out of the gates. Why would we hire him? I don't know. One hundred four and twelve. No. Two Pac-12 titles, national title game, six of eight national coach of the year awards. This is not something you have to explain heavily, but I I I know that there are plenty of Alabama fans that are. Uh, disapproving or, or, or quite concerned. But let's start with the fact that, holy crap, Kalen's the coach at Alabama. It's pretty wild. I mean, you think about when things were going great at USF 15 years ago and what you thought the ceiling might have been back then. You know, um, Division Two, FCS, you know, maybe Division One. It seemed like a big deal at the time when he went to Southern Illinois. Yeah. You know, because he kind of skipped over Division two. Not that you have to go in in any sort of chronological order. I mean, the highest levels of football are filled with coaches who coached at the NAIA or Division three level at, at some point. So it's not like that's unprecedented. But I just remember when he became the OC at Southern Illinois, being like, "Wow, you know, good good deal. That's a big promotion." Yeah. Today, you kind of look at Southern Illinois. They're a middling FCS team. It's like, you know, so what? You know, that kind of shows how far he's come. But then he kind of seemed like maybe he had settled into, well, this is what he's going to be. You know, he's going to be Brad Salem, essentially, a guy who's a Division One assistant. He was at Eastern Michigan, you know, which is FBS, so that was another step up. But that was a low-level FBS, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's at Indiana, and he's a coordinator. That's when you start going, geez, you know, where's, where's the ceiling here? Does he ever want to get back into, you know, will he ever be a head coach again? And that was the thing. You kind of wondered, was he going to be an assistant for the rest of his life, which – Certainly nothing wrong with that no. at, at the Big Ten level or nope. anything like that. And and then, uh, you know, we've talked about it so many times. Kalen obviously earned where he is right now, but think how many things 
had to go right for him to be where he is today. If he had been hired by North Dakota or South Dakota, he would not be the coach of Alabama right now. And do you say that just because you don't you don't go to those places from UND and USD, or because he wouldn't have been able to win at the high level he did at yeah, USF in Washington? If, I think if he went to, I mean, maybe. UND, um, you're going up against the Bison. Right. USD, you're going up against the Jacks. In both, in both yeah. cases, you're going against yeah. both of them. But 10 years ago, it was more the Bison. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think if he had got the job at USD or UND, he probably is going 8-3 and three every year. Yeah. You know, And that's great. And it would have got him. I'm not saying he would have you know, been the next whoever and retired at USD or UND forever, but you know, probably would have had to take a different path. He might still be on that path right now, you know. Um, and he wanted those jobs. Yeah, he was a candidate. Absolutely. He was a finalist yeah. for both of them. And I'm not even – I know a lot of people right now are kind of making fun of the Coyotes and the and the, the effing Hawks for choosing uh, Bob Nielsen and, and Bubba Schwagert over Kalen. Um, I don't think anyone thought it was ridiculous at the time. It looks ridiculous now. But that's not Bubba Schwagert's fault. That's not Bob Nielsen's fault. No. Um, it's just, you know, when he went to Washington, that's when it was kind of like, holy cow. But even then, it was kind of like, well, Washington was great back in the early 90s, but they're not a power program anymore. But they were just... And in uh, two years, boom. Right. They national were, championship game. Washington was just five years removed from uh, being in the college football playoff. Yeah, it I mean, felt like they were a little bit of a sleeping giant. You yeah. know, that, that if someone, whether it's Kalen or someone else, could come in there and just sprinkle a little bit of pixie dust on them, they could, you know, take that next step, and that's what they've done. And then, you know, like I said, when I when Willie told me that, I kind of, you know, I kind of chuckled, and I, you know, didn't use it in the story I was interviewing him for. But I was kind of like, you know, it makes some sense. Nick Saban's old as hell, and it was pretty obvious, I think, that Nick Saban was getting sick of, or just didn't seem to have much of an appetite for this new era of yeah. college football with NIL and all this stuff. I wasn't the least bit surprised that he retired, and the timing just happened again. How serendipitous, Kalen's entire path has been that he that things didn't work out for him USD UND how well that worked out for him and now that this does that Nick Saban just happens to retire the same time he's in his second year with Washington you think frankly a lot of players that he didn't even recruit he brought in Michael Penix yeah. brought in Ryan Grubb I'm not saying Kalen didn't deserve any of it or earn any of this but a lot of Again, just a lot of things coming together at the exact right time. The timing's perfect. All of a sudden, I'm sitting on my couch watching Kalen fucking DeBoer at a press conference in Tuscaloosa talking to Nick Saban. And it was so... One of the things I've enjoyed about Kalen's rise so much is he has never tried to to fake it or pretend that this isn't as crazy as it is. You know, he said in his introductory press conference... He points to the athletic director who hired him. I just met you yesterday. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know you. Yeah. You know, Nick Saban. I, you know, the, the goat, the the Godfather. Like I'm. It, this is wild to me. Like I'm. Ten years ago, you were winning c- championships in Alabama. I was a nobody. If someone had told me I was going to be the next coach of Alabama after you, that that'd be like someone telling me right now, like you're going to be the president in 2040. Like it's it's about the same level of like really. You know, I'm not even what. I still can't believe it, and I don't know how it's going to go. I know a lot of people are going, "Geez, you know, he's not from the South. He doesn't have the ties. All these things." The other, you, you always hear the, the saying, "You never want to be the guy to follow the legend. You want to be the guy to follow the guy who followed the legend." All those things, um, and, and I'm working on a column about this now, and I, I don't want to give it away too much, but I can just say, I don't think Kalen thinks like that. You know, I think he's looking at it like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I got to take it. 
So whether you're someone from Alabama who thinks he's not ready for this job, or you're someone from Washington who thinks he's a turncoat for doing this to you, even though the guy you just hired did the exact same thing. Yes. Um, I, I just think Kalen is like, hey, you know, this is this is a, a dream come true. I can't turn it down. It's, it's literally probably the, if not the number one job in college football. Jen asked me the other day, she's like, he said in his press conference, this is probably the only job I would have left Washington for. She's like, do you believe that? And I said, well, maybe Ohio State and Michigan, maybe Notre Dame, depending on you know some coaches for whatever reason. Notre would have gone to Nebraska two years ago. If two Frost, years ago, he would have. Yes, would not he leave more. Washington no. for Nebraska. I don't no. think so. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Um, so that's just you know, I, I, it'll never. I don't think it'll ever feel normal, whether he goes there and doesn't succeed, or goes there and wins three or four more national championships. I, this will always just be one of the one of the craziest stories I've ever seen. And it would be if I didn't know Kalen as well as I do. The fact that I does it just makes it even weirder. It does. Yeah, no kidding, because he used to hit home runs off of you, right? Yeah. And everybody else. He yeah. used to hit towering yeah. bombs. He was uh, the sophomore coach for Kim Nelson at Washington. That was his uh, first coaching Right, job. Yeah. yes. And, well, and he yeah. wouldn't have been that had Curtis Riggs not right. told. Because yeah. uh, I think the story was, which has been told a thousand times in the last month, that Curtis what did take a job to be on Kim Nelson's staff at Washington, and then a, a day or two later, Rose would offered offer him a full-time, yeah. a better job, better pay, so he had to call back Kim, and Kim's, well, who do you got? And yeah. how about my roommate? Here he is, Kalen DeBoer hired yeah. him, undefeated, uh, as far as Kim recalls, and Kalen went back to that uh, unprompted. I don't think it was in the introductory speech in front of all the boosters and stuff. It was, it was bizarre. He did this whole speech thing, Jersey thing with the AD introductory stuff, but then did a separate thing with reporters, which I found odd. Usually you just do everything right there. Like mm-hmm. the reporters ask anyway, it, with the reporters, he went back to, he mentioned that he, he was, when he got the high school job, he was just excited to be coaching. And he could have been a high school coach his whole life. He really enjoyed it. He was set to do that. And then when he was at USF, he was set to do that for a while, of course. We know the famous story that's been read and told a zillion times the last month that Willie Sanchez basically told him, you need to move on. Leave or I'll fire you. Well, and then he he did. um, And Jed Stugart replaced Kalen and did a very nice job at USF. It became pretty apparent that Jed wasn't going to be there long either that he had a future in moving uh-huh. up in coaching. And the thing we kept hearing, because Southern Illinois was kind of, eh, it wasn't going awesome there. It wasn't Kalen's fault. Their offenses were pretty good. But Dale Lennon was not getting it going at Southern Illinois. And he tapped out? Well, he did yeah. to go to Eastern Michigan, which was very smart. He realized, I'm going to get fired with this guy if I don't leave. So yes. he left. But <laughs> even then at Eastern Michigan, what we kept hearing, and I should I should be clear, like this is I've never heard Kalen say this directly, but the thing we kept hearing all the time was if Jed leaves USF for a better job, depending on the timing and where it is, Kalen would maybe come back to be the head coach at USF again because now they're Division II, pays a little bit better, they're in the NSIC. You know, we heard – at times, like I said, he was he was a candidate at USD. Um, we threw his name around as a potential replacement for Stig, if and when Stig ever retired. And most SDSU fans, of course, were like oh, oh, Kalen DeBoer. Like, well, okay. Um, but that just goes to show. I mean, how how he he never was like this guy who was driven by I have to get to this level. And I think that's awesome because people like that, frankly, have always kind of annoyed me. People who you know have this sort of like. 
their feet are never planted where they are. You know, they're always looking to the next thing, and yeah. they're always like this, that, and I have to be this level, and I have to be famous, and I have to make this much money. You know, Kalen got to where he did by just always being present where he was and being good at his job. Yes. And he was so good at his job that other people had to tell him, like, hey, you can move up to a higher level. Come here. He was never this guy that was, like, driven by, you know, fame, money, any of those things. Uh, and I know people who don't know Kalen will hear this and go, mm, then why did he leave Washington for Alabama? Because it's the best opportunity in, in coaching. Uh, he would have been completely content being the next Bob Young and coaching the USF Cougars until he was 60. It just so happened that he was so good at his job that he almost was forced to, to move on to a higher level and then another higher level and another higher level. Yeah, and this Washington thing, I mean, the, the, another thing this proves about Kalen is you say all these nice things and it's a lot of humility and a lot of modesty, and that's what anybody who knows him, covers him, played for him, coached for him, that's what they all say. And so that's partly what Alabama apparently liked about him as well. He was refreshingly transparent and real and authentic. Authentic was the big word that the athletic director mm-hmm. used. Um, but at, at the same time, he's got a bit – another reason why he takes this job is he has a huge set of huevos. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you know, he's got – he coaches that way. Mm-hmm. He always did at USF. Mm-hmm. It always worked for him, and he coached that way against Washington. It wasn't just that game against Washington State where it was like fourth and uh, yep, whatever yep. at their own 30, and they were going to lose if they don't get it. Uh, I remember a couple weeks before they were playing Oregon State fourth quarter, and they throw on third and nine. There's two minutes left. And they're trying to run as much clock as they can out to preserve like a five-point lead. And he's just like, "Screw it, we're gonna we're gonna uh, throw this pass and we're gonna end the game mm-hmm. right here with Michael Penix." And Michael Penix drops back, does the bow and arrow slingshot thing, and that's like that's coming from the head coach. That mm-hmm. is confidence, big set of balls. We we can do it. I know we can. And if even, I'm gonna push that button, if even one of those plays doesn't work, yeah. and they lose, and they don't get to the national championship, they settle for yeah. whatever. He's probably not the coach for Alabama. Probably right now. not. No, he's not. He's not a hot enough, big enough item. And you can't. You have to sell that to fans, and that's why we get to his coaching staff. Uh, what he's gonna get there, and and how he still can. How he's gonna still have to sell him, himself to fans and recruits because he is an unknown down there, and that's another tentacle of this whole thing. But he, but he could have just stayed at Washington, probably been a legend there, or at the very least just just rode out for as long as he wanted, a nice career technically at the highest level, Power 5. They're going to the Big Ten. And also, this would have been serendipitous had he not had any job offers like this, if he was just going to keep going and coaching at Washington. He makes the national title game, so, so that's pretty much now he's etched in history. He's immortality no matter what happens after that. But now it's just a twelve. It's a twelve-team playoff, so it's easier to get to the playoff, which mm-hmm. makes it easier to get there from Washington. It's really hard to get there from Washington. And again, we just talked about the lightning striking and how amazing it was that he got him there out of the Pac-12. But he, their the their their standards are high. Some of their fans are crazy. I've learned enough in the last few days to learn that. But still, you know, just keep winning 8, 9, 10, 11 games. Go to the playoff every couple years. You join the Big Ten after the Pac-12. I think most people would have a good enough, strong enough sense of like, okay, okay this is a harder conference to win, so we might lose a few more games. But he's still really good. He's our mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And he could have just rode that. He could have had great job security, great money, beautiful place to live, and uh, probably not as much pressure as mm-hmm. you would have as the oh, Alabama yeah. coach. Yeah. And I maybe 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 most people wouldn't turn this job down. But everything about Alabama, and maybe it sounds crazy, like why wouldn't you coach at Alabama? Resources, the Alabama brand, and you got the best chance to win a national title. And that's what that was the first thing he said. Why am I taking this job? 
national championships because I can because I can win a national championship here. That's what this place is about, and you have a better chance of doing that at Alabama than Washington. But still, to take that job, that pressure cooker, uh, to leave a, what appeared to be a very comfortable situation, uh, that takes some that. I, you mm-hmm. know, no one mm-hmm. would have discredited him for he would. In fact, he would have been. He would have been welcomed back this giant hero in Seattle. Yeah. He turned down Alabama. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, he yeah. could have comfortably lived if his ego wanted to go there. Um, you know, they, they love him forever there just because he didn't go to Alabama. And uh, he still decides to go where I don't think it could wreck his career if it doesn't go well. But every coach besides Nick Saban since Bear Bryant has either been ran out of town, fired, resigned, uh, maybe an NCAA violation, but it, it, it has not gone well following Bear Bryant, who won 85% of his games. Nick Saban won 88%. Mm-hmm. And this guy is going to choose to try to, mm-hmm. yes, you have a better chance of winning the titles, resources, all that. But they, they're, they don't ex- they're not going to give him any, uh, yeah. they're not going to give him any grace time to yeah, like learn like, everything, learn it's, the ropes. Yeah. Eight and three, eight and three, eight and three. You're Goodbye. fired. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And guys have been fired it, yeah. during, since between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Guys have been fired or ran out of town for just that, for doing yeah. just that. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy named Bill Curry who was the second guy after Bear Bryant. He went 10 and one, won the SEC, went to the Sugar Bowl, lost to Miami, who won the national title, and he was told, to, uh, "Sorry, you're not getting a raise, and you're not going to be able to hire your own assistants anymore." I mean, they begged him to leave. They're like, <laughs> "We just don't feel it. We're not feeling it. You haven't mm-hmm. won a national title by your third year." Um, and so, I've, I've, I, mean, we both watched the press conference. I, I've enjoyed a little consumption of Alabama media reaction shows. Uh, the guilty pleasure that is listening to the Paul Feinbaum show and the absolute goober, redneck morons. But, I, but I got I just wanted to sample just in case. I was wrong about my own perception, and I, I heard a little bit this morning of he don't he you know he ain't from around, he ain't from around here you know he never coached in the SEC he never recruited in the South he doesn't know the meaning of the rivalry with Auburn and like Paul Feinbaum had to go uh, I think Auburn's the least of his problems here you got <laughs> you got Georgia you got LSU you got Lane Kiffin coming off his you know best year ten or eleven wins at Ole Miss I mean yeah Kalen jumps right into the fire man. Um, and the sense is that all these other programs in the SEC are just vultures on a carcass. Yes. Right now. And but I, I'm not that I'm not that worried for him. Uh, if he if it doesn't go well, let's just shoot straight to that. Okay, he's going to get another head coaching job. Right. He He'll goes to another, Minnesota or Nebraska yeah. or some yeah. low, slightly lower on the totem pole. But probably about five. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he yeah. will be fine for yeah. the rest of his life, and he will have known that he took the shot. But anyway, you know, we were texting each other the other day, like, eh, kind of worried about it going all awry for him, because he is an outsider, and um, you know, the, the, the the vultures are there. But again, Kalen's got enough confidence and huevos in him that, and he's, and he's smart. Like, of course, he's already putting together a staff that's a combination of guys that got him at Washington to where they got, and uh, some Alabama holdovers from Nick Saban, and a few guys from the outside, uh, where, of course, he's not going to be Scott Frost and bring his entire staff from the last place to this mm-hmm. place and screw it up. It's interesting, though. I mean, Grubb's coming. He hired yeah. as his D coordinator, the guy who was his D coordinator with him when he was in uh, Indiana. Haven't heard yet on Curtis or Chuck. I assume they're both going with him eventually, but hasn't been made official. Yeah. So, Curtis is obviously incredibly interesting and very uh, just 
appealing and intriguing to people around here and who listen to this podcast. And Curtis was on a, we asked Curtis to join us today. He's still in Nashville, where the American Football Coaches Conference Association uh, uh, American Football Coaches Association Conference has been going on. So, um, and he's been stuck there because of the weather or whatever. Um, who knows? I mean. Would we be surprised if Curtis goes to Alabama in some capacity? No, uh, probably not a full-time I position coach. Uh, um, we'll see, uh, but we'll we'll wait. He'll he'll tell us when he's comfortable and when somebody else is going to allow him to tell us if and when that happens. And um, my guess is an assistant position coach or an analyst, a consultant, some role like that. I've always been wondering, not even wondering. I think we both know like how much is Curtis watching these Washington football games and, you know, sending Kalen notes and talking to Kalen, like, just for free. Just like being an absolute, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's co-running uh, yeah. the offense with Kalen I and I wouldn't Ryan. say that, but he's, uh, I would say Curtis was probably highly familiar with Washington's personnel and schemes by the end of the year yeah. and is probably familiarizing himself with the SEC right now. It's like Jim Harbaugh's dad. I don't know if you saw this before the Michigan-Washington game. Jim Harbaugh's dad, of course, we all know he's a former head coach, former Michigan assistant. He's, still, he's like 90. He still he watches every second mm-hmm. of every Michigan game, takes notes, and Jim and him talk about it every mm-hmm. week. I'm like, I'm guessing that's at least what Curtis is doing with Kalen. Uh, okay, so I was just listening to Birmingham Sports Radio before I got here. They sounded like they knew what they were talking about. They were talking like uh, Chuck Morrell and William Inge, the two co-DCs uh, with... Kalen were mm-hmm. coming to Alabama, but they are not the D.C. In fact, the guy who was the, who's been the head coach at South Alabama, who's been coaching in the South forever, Kane Womack. Womack, yeah. yeah. He, he, was the, he was the D.C. at Indiana when Kalen was the, the O.C. at Indiana. There you go. Yeah. So, and the... the I don't know what William Inge's uh, position stuff... Yeah, like what, what position he coached, but I'm Chuck will probably coach safeties or yeah. DBs or something. Right. And, and I think they are keeping their D-line coach... That was at Alabama, so Angel fit in there somewhere. Um, I could have seen Chuck staying just because maybe he liked Seattle better than the idea of you know we've Chuck kind of you know beats go the beat of his own drum sort of guy. So yeah. nothing would have surprised me with him. No, but uh, the idea that I heard some people oh Kalen's going to leave Chuck behind like no if Chuck's not coming it's because Chuck didn't want to come right yeah and. He would have been crucified had he hired Chuck or William or both as his defensive coordinators because Washington was 100th in total defense this yeah, past year. Yeah, I thought about it that. It would have been a good look. And it, it's possible even that... They won with offense. Yeah, that Saban or, or the athletic director anyway was like, mm, we're not just going to let you do whatever you want here. This isn't going to become Washington East. You know? Yeah. And so. I, my, my, my read or my assumption is Kalen was smart enough to figure that out. I don't even know if he would have tried. Like, I think well, he this guy had, he hired is yeah. extremely accomplished. He's yeah. left a head coaching job mm-hmm. you know, in the and FBS where he's had success. That's a pretty good hire. And again, th- there's your recruiting ties, your recruiting plugins. Yep. Um, they're keeping, they're they're bringing along the offensive line coach from Washington. They had the best offensive line in the country. This guy won the uh, offensive line coaching award. They allowed 43 sacks the last four years at Washington. Jeez. Alabama gave up 49 sacks this past year. Grubb used to be an online coach too. Uh, that's I remember that. Yeah. And uh, they bring in the tight end coach from Washington. They retain the running back coach at Alabama. They uh, they retain Freddie Roach, the defensive line coach. So uh, all these Bama fans predict, and media and former players predictably already um, biting their nails and freaking out that you're bringing an outsider in, like Auburn did, by the way. Auburn brought in Brian Harson from Boise State, and he bombed in two years. He had no ties to the area. 
I, I just figured Kalen is smart enough, or somebody at Alabama is going to make it. So yes, we're. I get it. I've never recruited. It's not. Just, I've never coached here. I've never recruited here. I get it. Well, gee. I'm sure Nick Saban had some capable people on this staff who mm-hmm. have, and then we can, you know, there's a brain trust here. We can figure out who uh, who can fill in all the blanks for that. You can hit the ground running. Go ahead. Whenever I hear people talk about, oh, he hasn't, re-, it's always fans. Yeah. You never hear that from other coaches or analysts. It's not and an it's invalid from, point. No, but I mean, this idea that like, oh, I, I'm in the South now. I suddenly don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. You know, or like. The University of Alabama Crimson Tide football team is suddenly not attractive to recruits because this guy's the coach now. Now, I get it. Playing for Nick Saban was probably a big, big part of it, and that's something Kalen's going to have to overcome. Yeah, and and some top players are already leaving for the transfer portal, sure. but which you gonna, expect. Others are going to come in. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous to think that somebody, if they haven't lived in this area, that they're going to come down there and just be, you know, utter clueless meatheads when it comes to recruiting yeah. because, durr, I've never been here before, durr. I mean, of course it helps to have built-in relationships with schools and coaches and camps and all that kind of stuff and people that the last staff was recruiting and all. But what has happened is exactly what I thought would happen, that Kalen would be smart enough to be, of course, to maintain some of these coaches and he's well, recruiting the roster. It sounds like he's going to keep Saban pretty close to the vest. Yes. And that's as a, he should. That's a great idea. And that's the one element you, you addressed that I want to get to before we move on is taking over for the legend because most of the time that guy doesn't succeed. It's, it's just almost impossible to keep mm-hmm. going at a rate that Nick, Nick Saban went at. He won seven national titles in 17 years, 10 national title games. Didn't make the national title game in either of his first two years or his last three. So he won seven national titles in 12 years. He won 88% of his games. Um, but for what it's worth, this might sound ridiculous, Kalen Young's done this. He took over for Bob Young. Bob was a legend. Mm-hmm. That Again, we're talking about going back to our own backyard at the time. He, Kalen was 30 years old. That had to be, even though it was Little Sioux Falls and, mm-hmm. you know, not, not a lot of people are paying attention to them. He he was a cougar. Mm-hmm. Meant, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, so he probably felt some sort of burden, mm-hmm. but uh, tackled it, uh, you know, went right to it. So I don't know if that part... Again, uh, as Didn't you mentioned, Tom Osborne replace a legend at Nebraska. He did, yeah. yeah. He was on his staff. Uh, well, I, I wrote down. A, I wrote down a few. Jimbo Fisher replaced Bobby Bowden within three years. Florida State won a national title. Yeah. And by the way, when it comes to SEC and like some of the best college football coaches ever uh, that had that went to SEC schools and won national titles, Nick Saban had never coached in the South mm-hmm. before he I went know. to LSU, yeah, I know. Michigan yeah. State, and Toledo. Urban Meyer. He was, he was from Utah, Utah, Notre Dame, Utah, Bowling Green. Uh, so mm-hmm. coaching is coaching. We'll see about that. All right, South Dakota State uh, has its has its guy, has its offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean it's what we had had heard. Ryan Olson and Danny Freund, I'm told it is not friend, as I pronounced it last week, uh, are going to be co coordinators. I haven't talked to anyone yet about how that's going to go if. Uh, you know, Ryan Olson is going to be the, the main coordinator, the guy calling the plays. That's what we've heard. That's what would, would make sense to me. He's been there the longest. Danny Freund will be the quarterback's coach. Like I said last week, I think he's a great hire. I think he is potentially got future head coach potential just based on, like we said, he's the Jimmy Rogers of North Dakota, you know, has taken that, that exact same path. Um, uh, <laughs> I got an email from a Jax fan, by the way, who's really mad at us for our, our podcast last week Ooh. because we're trying clearly to break up the Jackrabbits dynasty by 
trying to push Jimmy out the door. We're not just, you know, saying what might happen. We clearly are trying to make these things happen. Yes. Um, well, we are very powerful, Matt. <laughs> right, right. We have all these athletic directors and presidents yeah. on speed dial, and uh, they all know our name, and yeah. you yeah. bet. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, to be clear, I expect Jimmy Rogers to be SDSU's coach in 2024. Uh, and I hope he is, because uh, I liked working with Jimmy this year. It was fun, and I think he's only going to get better at the job. Uh, but he's also been so successful and is such a, I think, kind of similarly on a smaller scale, hot commodity as Kalen DeBoer was. Um, p- people are going to keep coming to him. You know, he's going to keep getting interest. There's 25 openings right now in college football. I don't know if any of them are something that would be willing to pull Jimmy away. My hunch is no, especially after just one year. Um, but that is something the Jacks have to start, you know. And that's kind of what we were talking about last week is, you know, Lujan leaves – I don't like I said I don't expect Jimmy to leave but he he could and will eventually like Justin Sell has to make sure and in you know I, I say that like he doesn't know this already cuz he's made this sort of the hallmark of his tenure as the athletic director is always being prepared for these things like he has a plan in place before these things actually happen well in this particular case it's going to be more important than ever because Luhan leaves, Jimmy's getting interest constantly. Other assistants are going to be targeted. I've heard that Ryan Olson, who they just made the offensive coordinator, was getting interest too. Uh, all their coaches are going to get interest. They're young. They're energetic. They have great ideas. They're coming from a great program. This is what happens when you reach the level that SDSU has reached. And it's not just because they're winning. It's the culture. It's the familiar. Like, they've kind of become a little bit of a national brand. We heard John Stiegelmeyer being referred to as the legendary John Stiegelmeyer during the Sugar Bowl, that, that, that says something, that everyone knows about Stig, or, or all across college football. They want to go get people that worked for Stig, that worked for at South Dakota State that have been a part of that. So this is going to be something that, that Jack's fans, players, this is going to be part of it now. This is what happens when you start winning national championships, when you reach that level. I'm not saying that to try and ruin your day, Jack's fans. It's just a fact. And also, that's a good thing. Like, this idea that, you know, like, you and I are trying to, to shit on them or something, like... That's a good thing. You're having so much success that everyone else wants to steal your coaches from you. I get it. It sucks. We saw the same thing a little bit with basketball a few years ago. And you might remember we had a lot of fans whining and complaining about that at that time, too. That, oh, you're trying to push Scott Nagy and uh, Craig Smith and TJ Otzelberger out the door. Like, no, I'm sorry. As you just said, there aren't any people out there hiring college basketball coaches listening to what a couple idiots on a podcast are saying. <laughs> with, with, mouth, with mouth full of food. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love it if T.J. Otzelberger and Craig Smith were still the coaches here. That's yeah. not how it works when you're successful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's going to continue to happen. How and, dare and those guys go to Power 5 yeah, schools and yeah, win big there? Yeah. It's, a good, mean, it's a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I expect Jimmy to be back, but this is going to be a constant. Unless, yeah. unless he completely drives it into the ground. And does anyone think he's going to do that? No. I, Craig Bowl left North Dakota State. Then Chris Kleiman left yep. North Dakota State. They yep. were both there for and a few Matt years. Really, I mean, uh, he it, didn't go for a head coaching job, but he's yeah. at USC now. You know, if you get a few good years out of uh, Jimmy, then you should be thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. And that's just logic, not influence. And it's interesting because I saw a tweet. Can't remember who it was from, but uh, I, it, it so Arizona's coach Jed Fish goes to Washington. Jimmy's from Chandler, Arizona, right. Right. Yeah. and and at first you think, oh come on, that's just that we're just easy, we're just connecting dots and jumping to conclusions. Uh, 
he wouldn't be the head coach there, but depending on who gets the job, uh, D coordinator, I mean, linebackers coach. Craig Bull went to Wyoming, which isn't quite Power Five, but Chris Kleiman went to Kansas State. That's Power Five. Kleiman mm -hmm. had been at NDSU for a few years, but as far as I know, that was his only head coaching experience, and he got a Power Five job. And Arizona's very much like Kansas State. By the way, Arizona's. Where, what conference are they going to now? Are they going to the ACC, the Big 12? I think they're going to the Big 12. Who, but they're not going to the Big 10. Right. So they're a lower-end Power 5 school. They're mm -hmm. not that much different from a Wyoming. They're certainly very comparable to a K-State. They, 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 they have a heart. They don't have the resources. They play in a 50,000-seat stadium. It's, you know, it, it's tough to consistently churn mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. um, playoff-contending type of football there in those places. And so that's a place more likely for a coach from the FCS to go straight to, mm -hmm. quote-unquote, Power 5. And Jimmy's the best coach in the FCS right now at 15-0. So who knows? I, I've, I've heard nothing, but I was like, yeah. oh, boy, he's from Chandler, Arizona. I, I just started to think, and now, now you're, whoever's mad, he's going to be really mad at me because I'm not saying I think Jimmy's going to – they're interested or he's going to go – but this is something to think about down the line as well. Is I know Jimmy played here, and he's he's been and has he been here ever since? Did he go right onto Stig's staff? He had a very brief stint out at, in I think it was Washington State. Okay, um, but almost almost entirely. Okay, but yeah. he's from here. He's from other places. He's from a place where it's warm twelve months a year, mm -hmm. and. You know, you live in South Dakota long enough for your life. Some, if you're not from here, family isn't rooted here, then the chance Jimmy to go, has the chance to go somewhere ever, warm sometime. Jimmy has never ever said anything to indicate like I'm going to be the next steak and I'm going to stay here for 25 yeah. years. He right. has said to me on the record when I did that big long interview with him back in spring ball. Yeah. That yeah, someday I might look to go because of course he would. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer makes 11 million dollars a year now or whatever it's going to be. Like, <laughs> Hello. come on. Yeah. At some point, especially, you know, Jimmy's getting a, a, a head start on it, too. He's 35, yeah. 36, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Big you know, head when, start. When Kalen was that age, he was had just left USF and was an OC at Southern Illinois. Like, Jimmy's got an incredibly bright future. And when I say that, Jax fans, that's a compliment to you, your program, your coach. Like, he's done some incredible stuff, and someday, and this can be segue into, I think, the next thing you probably want to talk about, Mark Gronowski. Like, you have to celebrate those guys when they get those opportunities. Thank them for what they gave you. Be confident in your leadership at your university that they're going to find the right person to replace them and continue that success. Yeah. And you'd be happy for them. And you like that. That's the nature of where you're at. The only, I mean, we just saw it. Even the University of Washington, a Pac-12 school, a Power Five school that can offer their head coach eight million dollars a year. Even that school can be a stepping stone school. There's yeah. always someone higher than you, yeah. unless you're Michigan, Ohio State, or Alabama. Maybe a couple others. Right. Um, and if you're South Dakota State, it's great what you're doing. You're the, the king of the hill in the FCS, but you're still way down the totem pole in the big picture. If you continue to have the kind of success you want to have, you're yeah. going to be saying goodbye to people. I, you might as well just embrace it and celebrate it. I want to get to Kronowski. I want to get to Olsen. I know we are running out of time. I just find Jed Fish fascinating as well. Kalen's resume Incredibly intriguing. Doug Gottlieb, who I'm not a fan of, but I saw somebody retweet his retweet. He just showed Kalen DeBoer's coaching history uh -huh. off Wikipedia, uh -huh. 
and just said, wow, talk about a guy who's earned stripes. You look at the Sioux Falls, Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Fresno mm-hmm. State. Uh, Jed Fish is a guy who I remember was like 32 years old, and he was some boy wonder when Tim Brewster hired him to be his OC at Minnesota. He was no like shit. a 32-year-old OC under Tim Brewster in 2009. I remember the Jackrabbits going and playing the Gophers that year, almost beating them. It was like 17-10 to 10 or yeah. something like that. And that it was like a year or two after USD did beat him. It was the year before USD beat him. Oh, and year that, before. And okay. that was the year Brewster got fired. Brewster made it like five more games yep. after USD yep. beat him. So anyway, I remember that game. Now, first of all, it was a terrible game. But USD was – this was a, one of the USD's like first games against a Power Five and definitely the first time they've held their own like that. And yeah, I don't even think they were eligible yet. I think they were still transitioning. They could have been. And anyway, and but Minnesota's offense was terrible under this kid yes. named Jet Fish. And I remember Jim Suhan's line in the Minneapolis Star Tribune the next morning. He said that the column started with, some offenses like to employ the no-huddle offense. The Gophers like to employ the no offense huddle. I thought that was pretty. I'll never forget that. And then and then he was smart enough, just like Kalen DeBoer, to jump off the Southern Illinois ship. He jumped off the Tim Brewster ship the year before uh-huh. Tim Brewster got hired, went to the Seahawks. He went from the Gophers to the NFL to the Seahawks to be their quarterback's coach under, uh, I think Pete Carroll was there Probably at the time. Probably Pete Carroll. Yeah, he was and from, Holmgren, maybe. And from there on, it's nothing but NFL squads or uh, Michigan, UCLA. But, I mean, any, any, interesting journey. That guy seems evil, by the way. I mean, you watch him coach. He seems like a, just this mousy little gritty little weasel. When they beat NDSU last year, he was like, That's, fuck yeah. you. Fuck <laughs> you. Like, <laughs> excuse them for trying to beat you? Like, did they do something dirty or just like, uh, oh, no, they almost beat you, like, uh, which they probably should have. All right. Who is Ryan Olsen? What's, what's he going to bring? Uh, I, I mean, I can't tell you like what his scheme's going to be necessarily because he hasn't been the play caller there. Right. Um, he was a co-offensive coordinator at Bemidji State before he came to SDSU. Um, he's done a really phenomenal job as the offensive line coach because, let's face it, that, that was a job that had he had some pretty big shoes to fill. Uh, Jason Eck came in there and made that offensive line a lot better, both through the players he recruited and the way he developed, taught, coached offensive linemen. Um, he already had, as I've said many times, had a great track record at Mankato and other places when he came to SDSU. Um, I knew that the second he got there, yeah, I'm bragging about how smart I am, that he was going to be a, a really great hire because I'd seen what he had done at Mankato. He made that offensive line much, much better, much more competitive. I'm not saying he did it all by himself, but, I mean, he was a big, big part of it. And Mason McCormick and Garrett Greenfield have told me over and over what a huge impact he had on those two individually and their offense total. Then Jason became the offensive coordinator in addition to the offensive line coach continued to do a great job. They brought Ryan Olson in. He's a former offensive lineman, I believe. Uh, he, he was the tight ends coach for a year, but you kind of sensed given his background that he was probably going to replace Jason as the old line coach because it was obvious by then that Jason Eck was making himself a candidate, was probably going to bounce to be a head coach somewhere. That's exactly what happened. Ryan Olson takes over as old line coach and has done a tremendous job. Every one of those guys have said that not only at the very least he's sustained it and kept it where it was, if anything, he's made us even better, taking it to an even another level. I think he's a really good eye for talent. He's a really smart guy. I always enjoy talking to him. Um, he, he I, I think, really has a good understanding of kind of where college football is going, and I always think that's a big thing that SDSU's coaches have, have done a good job of. They always seem to be a little bit, I don't want to say one step ahead of everyone, but they're not so much like a lot of schools you seem like are kind of late to late to the party on certain things, whether it's play calling schemes, recruiting 
NIL stuff, all of it. The Jacks have, I think that's one of the things they've done really well with their coaches. Is, and part of it's having those young guys on their staff. Like, they're in tune to what's going on. You know, they have coaches that, that know what's going on in college football. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably why they brought Danny Freund in. They feel like he's the same kind of guy. But it's telling that, that you know, Zach leaves. What could they have done at offensive coordinator they had a lot of options including Danny Freund having him be the guy that they're giving it to Ryan I think shows for one he's earned it he's been there a few years but two they trust him to do that and you know last week we were mentioning because we things had not been tied up or official yet with both Lujan leaving for Northwestern but also Danny Freund friend we found out Freund coming to SDSU and in rut role so again he was UND's was he UND's OC Mm mm-hmm and he's going to be, and he's going to be a position coach or co OC with Ryan. He's co coordinator okay. with Ryan. Okay, but w- w- what's been reported, and I have not confirmed it with Jimmy, is that Ryan's going to be the one calling. I the mean, plays. somebody's got to call the plays. Yeah. So that's because they've had co yeah. OCs before. They've had co DCs before. We'll, we'll see how that works. Did, I mean, I have to, some. I, I know there are some schools that literally what they do is. <laughs> This guy calls the running plays, and this guy calls the passing plays. Well, okay, well, who decides whether you're running or passing? Right. You know, like, I, I you know, that stuff's above my, yeah. uh, I don't know. All right. Why would, do, I'm trying to wrap my brain around, besides, I get perhaps compensation, why a guy leaves to be the coordinator of one Valley school to be the co-OC who's probably not going to call the plays at another one. Exactly what we've been talking about the last few years. SDSU has all eyes on them right now. It's just SDSU. You, you want to hit your wagon to this program yeah. right now. Yeah. If you want to advance your career. Yeah. And and that's not even shitting on North Dakota. They're a good program, they too. Are. And Bubba Schweiger's probably not going to be there much longer. Maybe when Bubba retires, Danny goes back over, and then he's got all this intel from SDSU yeah. from coaching for him for a couple of years. But I think it's also equally as possible that if and when Jimmy bounces – um, that he could be the head coach there. Or if and when Ryan Olson bounces because someone in the Big Ten wants him to be their old line coach, which he absolutely deserves and has earned at this point, then Danny can become the full-time sole offensive coordinator. There's probably a, a pay raise involved, I would guess, but I think the biggest reason is, like, look at what this program is doing. Look at this coaching staff that John Stiegelmeyer formed and now Jimmy Rogers is kind of molding into his own vision. Like, you want to be a part of this program right now. Like, this is, this is, a, this is a, a train you want to be on. Yeah, and last point, big overarching thing. I think Jackrabbit fans have figured out by now in this whole uh, big, bad, wide world of, of Division One athletics is when it comes to assistant coaches, most of them prefer to just move around almost for moving around's sake. You want to have a diversified resume. Mm-hmm. Should I mean, you're always trying to move up in position and money and level of school, level mm-hmm. of play. But some will just take lateral moves just to diversify mm-hmm. their resume. I coached here, I coached there, coached with this style, this guy, that guy. You meet more Under- people, you get more connections, you recruit yeah. more areas. There's, I mean, there's a lot of benefit yeah. to that. They're going to move around a lot. Um, yeah, and so and some because sometimes head coaches get hired, and what do you hear? Like this guy, I just learned this today. The Giants head coach, who apparently is pissing everybody off, the New York Giants, uh, his staff and players don't like him. Well. Gee, he coached under Saban and Belichick. What do you know? But <laughs> but that goes back to that's probably why the Giants probably hired him. He coached under Saban and Belichick. So if you, mm-hmm. the more the more jobs you have, the more guys you coach under, the better your resume gets. We don't know when Mark Gronowski. Uh, we might know when might we know about Mark Gronowski? I don't know um, because he is going to be a grad transfer. The understanding is that he doesn't 
he can kind of do it whenever. I know there's still a, a, some sort of deadline or at least just a self-imposed deadline because, you know, at some point the Jacks need to know, like, are they going to go to spring ball with Mark Gronowski as their quarterback? That's only, you know, a couple months away. Um, I can say this. I have not talked to Mark directly. I've talked directly to a few people close to him in his sort of inner circle, you would say. And I was told that Mark is feeling a tremendous amount of pressure. This is really hard on him. And a report came out last week that said kind of offhanded, oh, he's returning. And Jack's fans on Twitter went running with it, like, Mark's back, Mark's back, Mark's back. It's like, pump the brakes. Did you read the article? It's sure. There's no direct quote in there from Mark saying, I'm going to be back. And don't you think Mark has social media? Don't you think he'd do what every other kid does and make the big, you know, graphic with the yeah. 10 paragraphs? With that being said, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. obviously what he would have done and probably will still do whenever he makes his decision. Um, so I, I just have a lot of sympathy for Mark right now because to hear that, like, hey, this is like causing this guy a severe amount of stress, that tells you, first of all, how much he cares. You know, he understands the decision that's ahead of him and that if he do, does choose to leave, not that people are going to be hurt. I think most Jacks fans understand where he's coming from and he has given them so much that I don't think anyone's going to call him a traitor or anything if he leaves. But that's still really hard to do. There's teammates, there's coaches. He's loved it here. You know, this program got him to a level he probably didn't envision when he was coming out of high school because nobody else wanted him really yeah. from the Division One level. Having said all that, we talked about it last week. I think he should go. You know, you've got the, the opportunity, whether it's with Lujan at Northwestern or somewhere else, you've got a chance to make some serious NIL money play in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or wherever, you know, that's a different experience and it will give you the chance to maybe increase your, your chances of playing in the NFL. He's taken SDSU to three national championships, won two of them, probably would have won three if he hadn't yep. got hurt, as yep. we mentioned before. Like, I just don't see any any down... There's just no downside to not giving that a shot. I think that's what he should do. And I really hope, if he does, that Jacks fans say nothing but thanks for the memories and good luck to you. And I think they will. Yeah. And if he does come back, hey, that's a cool story too. And then he would, in theory, have the chance to do this all over again because he has two years of eligibility left. Oh, my he God. He could decide to come back to SDSU for one more year <laughs> and then reevaluate his options wow. again in 25. I just, can you imagine? You know him better than I do, but I would think uh, uh, A, uh, NIL money might be irresistible, but I don't know what kind of pot they. Uh, have Northwestern. Northwestern feels like the most likely place he would go because he follows Zach there. I don't know what their starting quarterback situation is I like. I think he just graduated. But I you, think. Would, you would think a guy is not going to transfer from a, an awesome situation that Mark has, even though it's a level above, unless he feels like he's going to get that job. I yeah. mean, you want to play. Yeah. Even if you have two years left, you don't want to wait a yes. year. He has a better chance going to the NFL as the starter at SDSU than as a backup at yeah. know, wherever. So he, I would think he won't go somewhere unless he knows for sure he's probably going to play, going to almost be guaranteed the be, starter. Be given the opportunity to compete for the starter. Yeah, yeah. strongly yeah. compete. Yeah. Like, yeah. you have a really good chance. Yeah. And uh, the NIL money. But you go back to Tucker Craft. He turned down six-figure NIL, big boy money. Totally different. But he knew good. he was going to the NFL already. I, I, he know. did. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I, I would agree with that. He, he was the right size. Mm -hmm. uh, he was already getting noticed. And he probably didn't need it. He was a third rounder anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when you come when it comes to quarterback, Gronowski's a little undersized, right? I mean, six he's, three. Okay. I just don't think he has yet. It's just different. Yeah. The the the, the feedback we slash they him have gotten from the NFL so far has been, you know, no one's telling him he can't. That there's no chance. But if he were to come out today, he wouldn't get drafted. Um. Um, he's he still has some improving to do if he's going to play in the NFL. Uh, by the way, did you see Dallas Goddard? Uh, I did. Oh, 
laced into Jalen Hurts on Did the Did you sideline. see his post-game interview about no. it? Yeah, they confronted him about it. And he, he actually said, he goes, no, it was all my fault. I screwed up the route. And I was just frustrated because it was kind of hard to, to make. Like it, in, When you saw it, it looked like he was just laying into Jalen Hurts and saying, you suck and give me the ball, buddy, or whatever. But then he, he took all the blame for it in the locker room afterwards. Oh, okay. Well, he might be playing for Bill Belichick soon, so who knows? <laughs> all right, that's good. Yeah, wouldn't that be wild? The Britain bomber, Dallas Goddard, playing for Bill Belichick. Doesn't seem far-fetched anymore. Sirianni apparently over his head and hanging himself, and if the Eagles get rid of him, I think it'd be pretty smart to hire Bill Belichick. There's there's a lot of great guys you could hire. Offensive coaches seem to make more sense in, in the head role these days, but, uh, hey, uh, you can't go wrong with Belichick if you have somebody else buying his groceries and Howie Weissman's been there for a quarter century in Philadelphia. Belichick is not going to go to a starter kit job, uh, a turnaround rebuild thing. Nope, he's going to go somewhere that's ready-made to win the Super Bowl. They just need some tweaks, uh, some defensive tweaks like linebacker and secondary. Well, that's Belichick's forte. And organizational tweaks, just having a grown-up who's been there, done that, uh, captaining the ship, that is Bill Belichick. Uh, it make total sense. East Coast, gritty, dark, tough town, Philly, Boston, Belichick, all fits, all fits. Um, and that's a better job for him than Dallas. More likely job for him. He does not seem like the type that would want to coach for Jerry Jones, who does not work well with successful dictators who are smarter than Jerry, uh, like Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells, the best coaches he's ever had who uh, didn't last more than four years with him. I don't, I don't think Belichick wants that in Dallas. But, uh, you know, he'd have a franchise quarterback there, I guess, and uh, a little bit of a defense to fix as well. But uh, Philly would make more sense. Uh, the Falcons announced Belichick interviewed with them. That's hilarious. And all this is going to sound outdated at some point uh, later on in this week, depending on when you're hearing it. Uh, we taped this uh, in the lounge and then uh, me here post-production in the studio on a Tuesday. Uh, Sunday was fun watching the Cowboys go up in flames uh, because, I'm, you know, it's, uh, it's lesser of two evils, Packers and Cowboys. Uh, to quote the line from Argo, it was the best bad option I had uh, to just to uh, to watch the Cowboys lose badly, embarrassingly. Husband was right next to me at the gateway. Uh, he did not take it well. He's a Cowboys fan, but uh, sorry. Uh, my heart says I enjoy watching the Cowboys self-destruct. Um, we were there with some Packer friends. There were Packer fans there, Cowboys fans there. It was a, a wonderful atmosphere. We had been home like many of you had uh, all day, Friday, Saturday, snowed in, iced in, and we finally decided we had to get out of the house. Quite comfortable to watch these games on TV at home. I get it. Um, but at some point, it's fun to be around people. Awesome food. Awesome service. Two furs every day, 2 to 7 p.m. at the Gateway Lounge. And if you like chicken and you like queso, how about the crispy chicken queso sandwich? That's their burger of the month in January for $14.99 anytime. And, hey, get the two games each on Saturday and Sunday in the divisional round. Texans, who have all-time dibs on the 330 playoff game on Saturday. Uh, Packers and Niners ought to be sweet on Saturday night. And then, of course, America's new team, the Lions, will play the Bucks on Sunday at 2. And then the gateway becomes Arrowhead North with the Chiefs and the Bills in Buffalo Sunday night. And uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, well, this is a Chiefs bar. Uh, it, it's terrific. If you're a Chiefs hater, you're tired of Mahomes and the Chiefs, well, come troll us. That's fun, too. Gateway Lounge, I... 29 North 41st Street, movie theaters, surround sound, sports viewing quality, to me unparalleled, even though there's a lot of other nice options, very good sports bars in Sioux Falls. 
Uh, Curtis Riggs hopefully with us at the Gateway Lounge next week. Kalen DeBoer's best friend. Uh, he's been with Kalen every step of the way, just not like on Kalen's staffs or even in Kalen's town. He's made a lot of flights to Seattle the last couple of years. He's given up his Sioux Falls Storm gig. And, of course, a lot of people think that Curtis is going to join Kalen in Alabama, and that would make a lot of sense. But we'll wait for that to be fact, right? We'll wait for Curtis to confirm that to us if indeed it does happen. But uh, he is happy to join us, and he probably will, probably will next week on this very fine podcast. Well, one final cleanup note before we go. Uh, Since the taping of the podcast, Arizona hired San Jose State coach Brent Brennan as its next head football coach, five-year deal. So, uh, yeah, it's not going to be Jimmy Rogers. And so just wanted to confirm that, yes, we knew that. We know that. Thank you. And uh, hope Jack's fans rest easy this week. Just enjoy Jimmy and this wonderful national championship ride while you got it. You might have it for a decade like North Dakota State did. Uh, You might only have it for like five years like Nebraska did in the 90s. Just enjoy it and and whatever comes your way. Don't get your panties in a bunch over what Maddie and Johnny are saying, even though we appreciate you listening. And you are, right? Talk next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. (laughs) You guys need a round of drinks? Yes.